0: Happy Resurrection Day everyone! Welcome to Christian House of Faith CHOF Online Ministry. Jesus was respected and praised as a teacher, healer, and for performing miracles. He was put to death on the cross and then placed in a borrowed tomb. There is very little recorded about what went on when Jesus was placed inside the tomb. Before God raised him from the dead on the third day, there was activity inside the burial place. This morning, Bishop W.F. Houston, Jr.'s resurrection message is titled, If the Walls Could Speak. And now, here's our bishop, Bishop Dr. W.F. Houston, Jr.
1: Happy Resurrection Day, everyone. I hope that everyone that's watching this video or listening to this podcast is feeling the joy of the risen Christ. This is the designated day that God's power and His presence was confirmed. It's also the day of rebirth. It's the day God restored human dignity and destiny. You know, there's a buried place in a faraway land with retention walls as well. Before Jesus arose from the tomb, I believe there was some things going on inside it. If the walls of that mausoleum could speak to us, what would it say? What would it say to us about the horrific... Heartbreaking, inspiring, celebratory events that transpired there some 2,000 years ago. Today, our focus scripture reading will come from the book of Luke, chapter 24, 1 through 12. And for clarity this morning, I'll be reading from the Passion Translation Bible. That's Luke 24, 1. Let's read. Very early that Sunday morning, the women made their way to the tomb, carrying the spices they had prepared. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Jesus' mother, Mary. Arriving at the tomb, they discovered that the huge stone covering the entrance had been rolled aside. So they went in to look, but the tomb was empty. The body of Jesus was gone. They stood there, stunned and perplexed. Suddenly two men appeared above them in dazzling white robes, shining like lightning. Terrified, the women fell to the ground on their faces. The men in white said to them, Why would you look for the living one in a tomb? He is not here, for he has risen. Have you forgotten what he said to you while he was still in Galilee? The destiny of the Son of Man is to be handed over to sinful men, to be nailed to a cross, and on the third day to rise again. All at once they remembered his words. Leaving the tomb, they went to break the news to the leaven and to all the others of what they had seen and heard. When the disciples heard the testimony of the women, it made no sense and they were unable to believe what they heard. But Peter jumped up and ran the entire distance to the tomb to see for himself. Stooping down, he looked inside and discovered it was empty. There was only the linen sheet lying there. Staggered by this, he walked away wondering what it meant. May God's perpetual love entrenched the listeners and spiritually active of his majestic words. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father. You love this world so much that you offer it to your one and only son. So that we have the possibility to be selected as your children also. Father God, help us to live in the joy and the grace on this resurrection Sunday. Bless us with a spiritual mentality that radiates gratitude for your sacrifice. Bless us with eyes that see your compassion and express joy for our redemption. Help us to walk in that powerful grace and inform the world about your good news. We do this all for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Beloved, have you ever just stopped and looked at an empty building? You know, over a period of time, you see an an empty building's entrances without any doors or the hinges that were holding the doors are hanging down. Uh, The open window frames are glassless. The weather and time have eroded the building's once beautiful structure. And... For some of you, it could be an empty building that you remember when it was functioning. And if you pause and listen carefully, you can almost hear the noisy and and, and energetic cries of generations of, of delighted people who once reverberated from its walls with overflowing people. Now, it sits silently empty. If you pause and think hard, you can you can envision some of his unforgettable and sentimental events of the past. You'll see uninterrupted family bonds. You'll see families that once gathered for joyous family reunions. You'll see the catastrophic and shocking events that transform things forever for those who once sheltered there. Or maybe you'll see the everyday ecological activities that led to his now heartbreaking and soundless view. You know, as I sit in my office, meditating on preparing this message, I couldn't help but think about a cafe in my hometown of Kerrville, Texas, called The Famous Door. It was owned and operated by my cousin, Cordelia Mills Bratchett and Edward Bratchett Sr. Uh, It had two sides to it. One side was the dining area. You could get some great food there. And my favorite food there was the fried shrimp dinner. I still haven't found anyone that can fry shrimp as good as cutting that And the other side was where you get your dance on and a good cold beverage of your choice. It was also the place where I began DJing. You know, I often think of the happy times there and many times after softball games and many times uh, on Friday and Saturday nights, this where we would gather. You know, after spending time in Carver Park on the weekend, uh, Saturday or Sunday, when it got dark, many of us would head to the famous door. And through the years, there were many, including myself, family and friends that shed tears there, celebrated, and even became victorious. After 70 years of serving the community, the famous door shut its historical doors in 1996. My cousin Dealey and cousin Edward Bratchett, Sr., have received their perpetual wings. But if those walls could speak, what would they tell us about the joy? What would they tell us about the drama and the celebrations inside those historical walls? It's a historical landmark today. 70 years, 70 years of history. What could those walls tell us that went on during those 70 years. You know, I imagine some of you viewing this morning's videocast or listening to this podcast can take a trip down memory lane in a city or pass a restaurant, a club, an old rec center, a school or place of employment that's vacant now, an old building where you were raised educated, trained, or had lots of fun. I'm sure you can still hear the laughter, the happiness, and practically hear the voices of all those that have gone on before us. If the walls could speak, what stories would they tell us about the horrible misfortunes or inspiring celebratory events that occurred? What testament could those walls give about the human conditions of unhappiness and misery friendship, joy, and pleasure. Beloved, there's a tomb in a distant land with reticent walls also. If that tomb could speak to us, what would it say? What would it tell us about the horrific, heartbreaking, inspiringly celebratory events that occurred there over 2,000 years ago? What would his evidence be? What is the evidence of the vacant tomb today? The vacant tomb affirms that a horrific heartbreak transmuted into a remarkable victory. That's what it tells us today. Beloved, there can be no uncertainty today. Those who were Jesus' most substantial followers and supporters were those most profoundly and badly shaken by the the catastrophic and shocking events of his passion. You see, the Gospels constantly tell us about the uncertainty, the concern, and the confusion that devastated them. Even before the events truly began to come to pass, Jesus tried to prepare his followers for the shock and horror they would face on his crucifixion day. He assured them that the power of God would turn the apparent calamity into a magnificent victory. Matthew 12 tells us, For as Jonah was in the belly of the huge sea creature for three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. John 2.19 gives us Jesus' answer. Jesus answered, destroy this temple, and I will raise it up again in three days. It's clear that those of the watching and waiting world felt that they were witnessing an unparalleled disaster. His disciples were devastated and confused. This couldn't be happening to their master. Was believing in him hopeless? Is this terrible wickedness going to prevail over righteousness, honesty, and divinity? Then comes the triumphant cry of the angel. He is not here. He is risen. If only the walls could speak in that tomb that held the body of Jesus, what would they speak to us? What would they tell us? Well, Travel with me over to the Holy Land and let's listen to the walls of the vacant tomb of Jesus And let's listen to what they would say if they could speak If the tomb walls could talk They would tell us about the many conversations they heard on that terrible day I believe the walls would begin by telling us about two men that entered the tomb Carrying the body of Jesus one was a rich man by the, by the name of Joseph Arimathea. He was a disciple of Jesus. Let's go to Matthew 27, 57 through 60 and see what it says. Those of you that are watching the video cast, you can look at it on the screen if you don't have your Bibles. Matthew 27, 57. 57 through 60 let's read at the end of the day a wealthy man named Joseph a follower of Jesus from the village of Ramah or for some people they would say Ramah approached Pilate and asked if he could take custody of the body of Jesus so Pilate consented and ordered that the body be given to him Then Joseph wrapped the body in a shroud of fine linen and placed it in his own unused tomb, which had only recently been cut into the rock. They rolled a large stone to seal the entrance of the tomb and left. Now the walls would also inform us about the other man with Joseph carrying the body of Jesus. The walls would tell us, This man met Jesus while attending night school. Uh, This man named Nicodemus was once an underground follower of Jesus, but now he has finally come out of the closet. Let's look at John chapter 19, 39 through 40. And once again, those of you that are looking at the videocast, it'll come up on the screen. John nineteen thirty nine through forty. Let's read. Now Nicodemus, who had once come to Jesus privately at night, accompanied Joseph, and together they carried a significant amount of myrrh and alloys to the cross. Then they took Jesus' body and wrapped it in strips of linen with the embalming spices according to the Jewish burial customs. Now. I believe the walls will also tell us that Joseph and Nicodemus didn't stay long, but they continued to 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 mention in their brief conversation, and not sure exactly what it meant, but they said this was only a borrowed tomb. They would speak to us about these guards' conversation, how they said he went from judgment hall to judgment hall, and and how they sped on him and pulled out the very hairs of his beard, and how Jesus was beaten with many stripes. I believe the walls would tell us about the crowns of thorns that was pressed upon Jesus's brow and how these soldiers began to complain about the stone's heaviness position at the mouth of the tomb. Uh, The walls would tell us, matter of fact, I had to listen real carefully, the walls would say, but one of the guards said they heard King Herod was nervous because of a rumor that Jesus said after three days he was going to get up from the grave and live again. You could hear the guards lodging complaints, saying they were wasting their time and could be home with their families Never before had they ever been charged to watch over the tomb of someone that had died. Where was he going anyway? He was already dead. Dead man cannot escape. If the walls of the tomb could speak, I believe they would tell us how the walls had to, to listen real close as they heard one of the guards say, the stone was not placed there to keep people from getting in. They rolled it there to keep Jesus from walking out. Then there was laughter and the guards no longer spoke. If the grave clothes of Jesus could speak, they would tell you as they wrapped the body of Jesus and prepared him for death. They wrapped him with great care and concern, although they did it since it was the Passover. Grave clothes were sure someone, probably the women, would stop by sometime on Sunday with the proper spices and make sure Jesus was appropriately bound and and finished the job. They even placed a knocking around the face of our Savior. If the walls could speak. If the walls could speak, I believe they would tell us that there were a few more visitors that, that stopped by the tomb on this dreadful Friday. But now somehow these visitors uh, showed up inside the tomb even though the tomb was still secure. The walls were not sure how that happened. At first not sure who these visitors were. At first the walls were excited that two more visitors would show up on the inside of the tomb. Maybe they were there to minister to the body of Christ. It was very late on Friday evening when they first arrived, at first excited. But after listening to the conversation of these two visitors, the walls began to realize these visitors were sinister. Uh, One of the visitors said his name was Satan. They seemed glad, pleased to have Jesus in this position. You can hear Satan making a speech to his imps, telling them, didn't I tell you it was just a matter of time? I was pacing down through the centuries, and now I have him in my grips. Although he would not kneel and worship me after 40 days in the wilderness, this is better than I ever anticipated. The walls would tell us that Satan kept on talking, and he said, I finally have him. How dare you cast me out of heaven over 2,000 years ago? We should have the throne guard. huh?" I wasn't satisfied being the heavenly choir director. I wanted to be just like God. But no, you had to send Michael, that great warrior angel to fight for you. You cast me out and one third of my friends. Yeah, we didn't go out like no chumps. We didn't go out like no weaklings. We put up a mighty fight. Revelation 12, seven through nine says, then a terrible war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the great dragon. The dragon and his angels fought back, but the dragon did not have the power to win, and they could not regain their place in heaven. So the great dragon was thrown down once and for all. He was the serpent, the ancient snake called the devil, and Satan, who deceives the whole earth. He was cast down into the earth and his angels along with him. Isaiah 14, 12 through 15 says, Look how you have fallen from your heavenly place, O shining one, son of the dawn. You have been cut down to the ground, you who conquered nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven and exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will rule on the mountain of the congregation. On the highest place of the sacred mountain, I will rise past the tops of the clouds and rival the Most High God. Yet, down to the underworld you go, and to the depths of the pit. Yes, says the devil, I have you now, and it was worth the wait. Just as quickly as they arrived, then those strange visitors were gone. If the walls could speak, they would tell us visitors showed up again around noon on Saturday. This time, it was only two visitors who again appeared inside the sealed tomb. One of the visitors to the walls quickly was recognized. He was here yesterday. You recall, his name is Satan. The second visitor is very familiar. His name is Death. He's actually a partner to the grave, almost like a family business. Death says something strange. He said that Jesus was death's victory. At the end of the conversations between Satan and death, Satan says something strange. He looked at death and said, don't let me down. Just as quick as they appeared, they were now gone. That the walls could speak. They would tell us things were relatively quiet the next few hours. But then, early Saturday evening, these same two visitors showed up in the tomb once again. The walls would tell us they did not quite understand the conversation, but the one who called himself Satan no longer looked very arrogant and cheerful as he did earlier. As a matter of fact, The visitor looked somewhat nervous. Death even appeared somewhat edgy. Said they showed up to make sure Jesus was still there. Well, that's a strange conversation. Death tells Satan he does not appreciate his sarcasm. The walls had to listen close to hear what they were arguing about. Death tells Satan, I told you before Lazarus was not my fault. We had Lazarus settled in the grips of death for long days. Even his body smelled of death. You remember what his sister said to Jesus? Surely his body must think it by now. I know I told you not to worry. And I didn't care he was a good friend of Jesus. I didn't know Jesus would pray to his father, then call Lazarus by name. And then death got real fly with Satan. Death looked at Satan and said, Maybe you should have given Jesus the flu or strep throat or perhaps laryngitis to keep him from calling Lazarus' name so loudly. Then once again, they were gone. The walls would tell us they showed up once again around 10 p.m. Saturday. Death yelled at Satan and said, Yes, he's still here. Devil responded with these words, He better be here or hell help us or all of heaven is going to break loose. Just as quickly as they appeared, they were once again gone. If the walls could speak, they would tell us that they were shaken out of the sleep. At first, they didn't know what was going on. Was it an earthquake? They felt tremors before, but never like this one. And all of a sudden, the stones was rolled away. The way Tremors felt, you could tell this was no ordinary earthquake. It was like the one felt when when Jesus died and opened only specific graves. Uh, I believe the walls would tell us this noise happened early one Sunday morning. Uh, We'd look over at the slab where Jesus' body lay, and up from the grave, he rose. Uh, We have never seen anything like it. Jesus, when he got up, he looked at us, the grave. uh, He smiled at us and said, we were now defeated. Uh, And then he said, so death, tell me, where is your victory? Tell me, death, where is your sting? Before the stone roll away, Jesus walked out. I don't know exactly where Jesus went from there, but two final visitors showed up. Uh, They said they were angels and they were dressed in white apparel. Uh, They were just hanging around. Uh, I don't know why they were there until later early in the morning. Luke 24, 1 through 12 tells us, very early that Sunday morning, the women made their way to the tomb uh, carrying the spices they had prepared. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Jesus' mother Mary. Arriving at the tomb, uh, they discovered that the huge covering the entrance had been rolled aside, so that went in to look, but the tomb was empty, the body of Jesus was gone, they stood there, stunned and perplexed, suddenly the two men appeared above them in dazzling white robes, shining like lightning, oh, terrified the women fell to the ground on their faces, the men in white said to them, why? would you look for the living one in a tomb. Uh, He is not here for he has arisen. So beloved, if the walls could speak, they would tell us Jesus has arose from the grave with a great victory over his adversaries. Jesus has arose as champion from the dark realm. Jesus has arose and lives eternally and advising his saints to take control love Jesus has risen. Have a blessed resurrection Sunday. Everyone.
0: Thank you for listening to the Christian House of Faith CHOF online podcast ministry. Have a blessed resurrection Sunday.